Go to Proverbs, please, the fourth chapter, and 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Proverbs 4 and 2 Corinthians 4. In Proverbs, the fourth chapter, we've been teaching for a number of weeks on the spiritual man. And I didn't intend to go this long on this subject, but I feel good about it. I think it's right. How many believe that the Lord wants us to be spiritual and not carnal? He wants us to be led of His Spirit, not just led by the flesh. And so many problems that Christians have would be solved if they were stronger spiritually. Do you understand that? I mean, so many people, if they were just stronger spiritually, they could receive that healing. If they were stronger spiritually, they would overcome that habit. Did you hear me? If they were stronger spiritually, they'd control their flesh and wouldn't keep on giving in and missing it in the same area. If they were stronger spiritually, they wouldn't be down about a thing and just let it keep them down. They'd rise up and claim the victory in that area and stand until they saw it change. But all this takes strength of spirit. If you're going to have strong faith, it's going to come out of a strong heart. For with the heart, man believes, the scripture said. So all this time for all these weeks, we've been talking about becoming a spiritual individual, becoming a strong person on the inside. And let's go on talking about that this evening in Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Proverbs four, he's talking about attending to his words in verse 20. And uh, this, you know, is one reason we want you to read those chapters. Because when they are in you, verse 22, they are life to you and they are health or medicine to all your flesh. And verse 23, the very next verse says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, out of your heart are the issues of life. The Amplified says, keep your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it, out of your heart, flow the springs of life. Now, he's not talking about your physical blood pump heart. He's, you know, you don't believe God with your physical heart any more than you believe God with your lung or your kidney. <laughs> no. You understand what he means by heart. You ever cut open, the, uh, slice open a watermelon and you say, there's the heart. Who ate the heart of the watermelon now? And that'd be Keith. <laughs> My motto is eat the best, leave the rest. <laughs> or somebody said, you know, they cut down a tree. Well, this is made out of heart oak. What does that mean? The core, the center of the tree. Well, what is the heart of man? The innermost, the first Peter talks about the inner man. There's an inner man, there's an outer man. So when we talk about the heart, we're talking about the inner man, which is a spirit man created after, uh, in the image of God, who is spirit. Everybody said out loud, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. So you need to meditate on this. You're not just flesh and mind. You are spirit. 
You're not just a mind and a body. You are a spirit. You have a mind. And you live in a body. If you lost this body tonight, you'd still be you. You'd still exist. Amen. Amen. And you'd still have your mind. And you wouldn't change into an angel. That'd be a demotion. You and I are called the sons of the living God. Who glory. Doesn't get any higher than that. Praise God. And you are unique. You are a one of a kind masterpiece of the creator. Nobody else like you. Never has been. Never will be. You're unique. And so the next time the devil tells you that there ain't much to you and you're not worth much, you ask him why there's only one of you and why God paid so much for you if you're so cheap and good for nothing. Now, he's a liar. He doesn't want us to realize how precious and valuable we are to God because when you realize that, it does something for you. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. He It make you walk a little taller, you Amen. To realize that you are and I are indeed the apple of his eye. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Were you and I are worth more to him than all the planets combined. Did you hear me? Ah, these folk bless their hearts. They try to leave there. They said, well, we are so insignificant in this vast universe. We're just a speck on a speck called earth. It ain't so. I said, it ain't so. God made this for us. Amen. And we're going to see in the ages to come what all these planets are for. I'm interested to find out about them. Somebody said, you think there's any other gods out there in the universe? No. No, we got the book. And the Lord said, I think it's so interesting over in Isaiah, if you read about it, he talks about, he said, uh, He said, I am God. And he said, I know not of any other. He has a sense of humor. (laughs) Well, God, don't you know everything? Uh Uh-huh. Wouldn't you know if there's any other gods? Uh Uh-huh. And I don't know of any. (laughs) No, there are none. People can call us naive and everything else, but we're saved. And God's right. Amen. Anybody disagrees with him is wrong. Proverbs, go on over to the 18th chapter while you're here. Everybody say inner man, spirit. Now in the 18th chapter of Proverbs in verse 14, it says the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit who can bear? That was Proverbs eighteen fourteen, And in the Amplified, it says it like this. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain and trouble. Now, that's what the Amplified says. I'm reading it verbatim. Isn't that interesting? What will get you even through a time when your body is racked with pain? What will get you through that victoriously? A strong spirit. What will get you through a time of financial trial or marital problems, business problems? A strong spirit will get you through that. I don't mean just subsist. I mean get through to victory on the other side. See victorious results. 
He always causes us to triumph. Amen? But you can't be a weak little whiny baby and get over in the corner and cry about everything and act pitiful and feel sorry for yourself. I'm telling you, that's one of the absolute worst things that could ever happen to you, is for you to begin to feel sorry for yourself. You cannot feel sorry for yourself and be in faith. Impossible. Did you hear me? If you believe God's heard your prayer and you believe you've received your healing, you can't feel sorry for yourself about the sickness. If you feel sorry for yourself about the sickness, you're not in faith. You don't believe he heard you. You don't believe you're going to live. You can't feel sorry for yourself that I'm dying if you believe you're going to live. You can't feel sorry for yourself that you're going under financially and nobody will help me and if you believe that he does supply all your needs. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Never, ever, ever, ever feel sorry for yourself under any circumstances, for any reason, in any circumstances. Never is it okay. Never is it justifiable. Never. Nobody has a right to feel sorry for themselves. Nobody does. Hmm? Got a little too quiet on that one. I'm telling you, if you want to win, if you want to be victorious, you cannot yield to it. To yield to it is to yield to the enemy. Walking by faith means you may feel like in a certain circumstance, you may feel tired, you may feel weary, you may feel like pulling the blinds and unplugging the phone and crawling back in the bed and putting a cool cloth on your head and just laying there and singing, woe is me, woe, woe, woe. But if you do that, you are unhooking from God. And if you do that, you're throwing the covers back and going, demons, come on. Let's have a pity party. You can't have a pity party with the Holy Ghost. He's not a depressed spirit. Is he? You can't get, he won't sing the blues with you. But he'll help you shout. And when you walk by faith, you can feel, like they say, lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. <laughs> you can feel like 40 miles of muddy road. You can feel bad and low. But by faith, you'll get up. You'll get dressed anyhow. Amen. If you have to, you'll take some toothpicks and poke up the corners of your mouth. And you'll put on joy. Amen. Amen. And you'll say, thank you, Lord. You're on the throne. Your word is true. I'm victorious. Things are working out good for me. Even if you're fighting tears back. That's what walking by faith means. And that kind of person will not be disappointed and will not be discouraged. God is faithful. You say he's your healer and your need meter. And you keep on saying that and holding to that. He will demonstrate that that's what he is to you. He will show it. Now go with me on over please to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. And I need the Amplified, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and the 16th verse. 4.16. He says, therefore, we do not become discouraged. 
2 Corinthians 4, 16. Everybody say that out loud. We do not become discouraged. Say it again. We do not become discouraged. One more time. We do not become discouraged. Now, a lot of people believe that you can't help it. You know that there are oftentimes situations that you just can't help it. And you hear people quote it like scriptures. Well, everybody gets down sometime. And other folk will go, Amen. <laughs> that is not a scripture. I said, That is not a scripture. Amen. Well, everybody gets down sometimes, brother. Well, that's not okay. And if you believe that, then you'll be up and down like a yo-yo and you'll just yield to it. You're supposed to resist it. I mean, everybody will be tempted to get down. That is true. Feelings of discouragement, thoughts of failure and discouragement have come and can come to anybody and all of us. And all of us have felt discouraged and felt weary. But the question is, are you going to give in to it? Right. Amen. Are you going to resist it? Resist. The strong person's going to resist it. The weak person's going to give in to it. He says, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted and wearied out through fear. Fear will wear you out. Though our outer man is decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self, our inner man, is being progressively renewed day after day. Even though the outer man is aging and growing older and can get weary and can get tired, yet the inner man can be and should be renewed. Every day. Every day. You can be quickened and strengthened. But we have a whole lot to do with that. Depending on what we choose to yield to. What we choose to believe. If we choose to yield to the thoughts of fear and anxiety. We'll get down. If we yield to that and think about it. It'll it'll make us weary. It'll wear us out. Make us tired. But you could choose to think on, set your affection and your mind on things above. Amen. Amen. Instead of being carnally minded, be spiritually minded. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Like Isaiah 26, 3 said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Does it make any difference what you let yourself think on and talk about? You can't stay in faith talking about the disease all the time. You can't. You got to talk about how by his stripes we've been healed. How that nothing's too hard for the Lord. He can fix anything. How that with long life he said he'd satisfy me. Show me his salvation. Amen. You got to think about that. You got to talk about that. That's why in the passage we just read, he said, My son, attend to my words, not the words of unbelievers and the bad report. Pay attention to my words. Incline your ear 
to my sayings. Pay attention to that. You know, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. And if you do that, you're thinking and you're talking about what he said, then you're not going to be thinking and talking about the problem. And to be spiritually minded is life and peace. While you're doing that, he said, these words will be life to you. And there'll be health and medicine to all of your flesh. Does it make any difference what you think about and talk about? Difference between life and death. The Bible said. You can't go around talking about the fears of the economy. And stay in faith about your needs being met. Can't do it. You can't go around talking about, oh my, my, I don't know what about that kid of mine. And what about that grandkid of mine? Ain't no telling where they're at tonight. Probably off drinking somewhere. Might get killed in a car wreck coming in tonight. Oh, I don't, you can't do that and stay in faith about God protecting them. Y'all got too quiet on that. You can't do it. If you yield to worry and yield to fear, we've already talked about it. It's like pulling the plug. And your spiritual strength is going to be drained. Hmm? No. We can't, you know, uh, when we first stepped out for this church to start, you know, I spent several nights with the calculator. (laughs) Anybody know what I mean by that? And I didn't like what I came up with. I mean, this is a big thing to bite off to start with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, some of the owners uh, would asked Phyllis, you know, the first time we looked at it, said, well, how large is your congregation? We said, well, <laughs> right now, <laughs> zero. <laughs> but, you know, you get to a point where, okay, I've looked at that. That doesn't look good. But trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not. To your own understanding. I mean, you need to use your understanding. You need to do research and think and look. But there comes a time when you know you've heard from the Lord. You need to quit looking or talking about anything that hurts your faith. It's all right to go to the doctor. It's all right to get tests done. Now, you need to be led. There's some things, you know, you ought not just do anything somebody tells you to do. Don't care who they are. You have the Holy Ghost inside you. But there's a lot of things that doctors and people can do to help you. But especially you get to a place where the doctors say, well, we can't do anything about this. There comes a point where you need to do like Hezekiah and turn your face to the wall. What does that mean? Away from everybody and everything and look to God and quit talking about the problem. And talk about the answer. Amen. Amen. And quit talking about what we don't know. And talk about what we know. Quit talking about what we don't have. Talk about what we have. Amen. Amen. There comes a time when you got to quit talking about how much money you got to have. And start talking about how faithful God is. You understand what I'm talking about? Spiritual strength. A strong spirit will get you through this. Now, we went into some detail in previous lessons talking about how that the uh, key, the keys, I should say, to being strong spiritually involve feeding your spirit on the Word of God, 
exercising your spirit in the things of God, and also resting in God. And it's just like physical development. You eat good nourishment, you exercise your, bu- your, your muscles, your body, and you get rest, your body will develop. It'll begin to become stronger. But I said to you, the Lord had ministered to me after some years of teaching about this, that you could do all these things and still not be strong. I thought, no way. Surely that can't be. I mean, if you eat good spiritually, feed on the Word of God, you exercise yourself, you wait on God and you rest, you're going to get stronger. He said, you can do all that and still be weak. I thought, no. But I began to search and see why he was speaking to my heart about this. And like we said, I told you, I'll repeat it. I saw the answer one day when I was filling the bathtub. I was running water in the tub and I stepped around and do something else. And after several minutes, that tub still was not full. Can you imagine why it was not full? I looked over there and the drain was open. And so water was running out. Just about as fast as it was coming in. And you can't get full like that. Hmm? And I got it. I saw it. I thought, all right, okay, okay, I see it. There are things that drain your spirit. And even though you have word coming in and you're doing the things that you should do, if you don't stop these drains, you will remain weak. And so I begin to set out to see what are the things that drain us. So we can stop it. And so we can stop the drains. And so then the thing that's coming in to fill us will not just drain out, but we'll begin to be stronger and stronger and increase instead of just staying the same or getting weak. So the first thing we mentioned to you, what will drain your spirit? We've already read it here again. Fear and fretting will drain your spirit, will make you weak. I mean, you can be in a good service, you can hear a good word, you can pray in the Spirit, you can praise and worship God, get built up, feel so strong, feel so high, and you can go hear a bad report and sit down in your chair and sit there and think about that bad report and worry about it and get in fear about it a couple of hours and you'll feel so weak you can't hardly get up and cross the room. It'll just drain you. Fear drains you. Fretting and worrying drains you. Don't do it. Secondly, what we say will drain you. Fussing and fighting. Man, you can be prayed up and read up and be in good shape and get into a spat with somebody. Arguing, fuss, holler and care on for 30 minutes and you'll feel like somebody's pulled the plug on you spiritually. It'll just drain you. We need to be absolutely intolerant of strife because it drains us. And you know, the enemy knows this, especially when you're going through a challenge and a test where you need to be strong, you need your faith to be strong, you need to believe for something. He'll come in and work double duty to get you fussing with somebody. Have you ever noticed that? He'll come, especially when pressure's on. He'll try to come in and get you fussing and arguing. He's sneaky like that. He's subtle. Don't fall for it. Especially when something's on and something is up and you're having to really believe with all your faith. Be particularly careful that you don't let yourself get embroiled in arguments and fusses and fightings or you'll just be playing into the hand of the devil to steal your strength. 
What does the Bible say about joy? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, are you full of joy when you're fussing and fighting? Far from it. Hmm? So then you're not going to be strong. Stay happy. Amen? Amen. You know, uh, Dr. Lester Summerall said something. I wrote it down back when I was a student in Bible school. And man, it's helped me ever since. Anybody know about Brother Summerall? He's in heaven now. Uh, but very uh, plain spoken about some things. And he bellowed out one night in the service. He said, other people's heads. There's no place for me to look for my happiness. <laughs> Other people's heads. There's no place for me to look for my happiness. I thought, yeah. Yeah. You can't tell me if I'm happy or not. And you know, so many things in life are designed of the enemy to steal your joy. To steal your peace. And you know, the more in ministry, the more high profile you become, more people see you and know about you, then you can receive unflattering correspondence. (laughs) Not everybody loves you and loves what you say and do. Well, not everybody loved Jesus either. Not everybody loved what he said and did. But uh, I've received letters that were unfavorable and unkind. And it's interesting how some of these can come at the worst time. You just had 12 other things you had to deal with that week. And you sit down at your desk to get just a minute of rest. And here's a letter that's personal and confidential. And you open it up and it's eight pages of what's wrong with you. Well, now here again, you know, am I going to be weak? Am I going to be a little whiny crybaby? No. And go, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> Nobody cares. They don't know what you do. You spend all your life. You pray all night and study till you fall out of your chair. and Do the best you know how to do. And all they know how to do is find fault. <laughs> well, that's being a baby. Right. I said, that's being a baby. Amen. And it's being a baby for you too, not just me. <laughs> huh? When you come out and put your hands on your hips and go, nobody appreciates what I do around this house. I slave early to late. I do this, I do that, and nobody appreciates it. And they said, well, nobody appreciates it. I get up and I go to work and I work all day and I slave and I sacrifice and nobody appreciates it. You're a baby. Big old whiny baby. Grow up. Be strong. Amen. And realize when you've lost your joy and you've lost your peace like that, you're being weak. What does the scripture say? If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. No. We want to be strong. So that when adversity comes and people don't appreciate us. And people say negative things about us. We're strong enough. We feel like crying. And that last blow hit pretty hard. It hurt. But you want to be strong enough that you get up out of your chair and go, glory to God. I'm saved. My name's on the Lamb's book of life. And God's using me. 
And we're making a difference. Amen. And I'm on my way to heaven. And nothing is going to offend me. Nothing's going to take my joy away. Sometimes you just have to sing hallelujah anyhow. Huh? That's being strong. I said that's being strong. Being a mature Christian instead of being a baby and weak. I don't want to be weak. Do you? I don't like weak. I want to be strong. I don't like weak cars. I don't like weak airplanes. Man, I like airplanes. I rode in one a while back. Oh, buddy. We held the brakes. We pushed that thing up to 105%. That thing was going, ooh. We turned loose with the brakes. Boom. Put you back in the chair. I was grinning from ear to ear. I thought, yes, yes, yes. Pulled the nose off that thing. 4,000 feet a minute. I like that. I don't like it when you mat the car at the red light and count to five and it slowly pulls away. That's pitiful. Gutless wonder. I don't like that. How many like to be strong in your spirit? Not weak. Strong. We wound up last time talking about number three, what will make you tired? Being false, being fake, lies and deception will wear you out spiritually. Truth makes you free. The truth causes you to see and the truth makes you free. Lies blind and lies bind. Bondage and deception. And that makes you tired, that makes you weary. Well, let's go on tonight, since I've spent all this time on the introduction, (laughs) and still didn't cover my new introduction that I had written. I I got a brand new introduction I didn't even get into. That's all right. But number four tonight, things that will make you tired, things that will drain you spiritually. You do understand you and I are not supposed to be tired all the time. Is that right? People, they make excuses and say, well, it's because of this busy, 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 busy world we live in. Everything's so busy, you know, and they just justify being tired all the time. And most people, have you found out you won't be with them five minutes until they usually use the word busy or tired? Most people, you won't talk with them for much length of time until something comes up about how, well, yeah, we've just been so busy. Who we're just so busy. That's not necessarily something to be proud of. <laughs> Did you hear me? A lot of folk are busy with stuff they shouldn't even be doing. And did you know you can get addicted to busyness? And it can be a huge hindrance to your spirituality. You realize there's a lot of people that ought to be here in these blue chairs tonight. Not everybody, but a lot of people that ought to be in these blue chairs with us, with you and me, in the presence of God, in the word of God. But they're what? Too busy. With what? With what? 
Now I realize that not everybody's supposed to be in every service, but I'm talking about people that are never in service. Or they go months at a time and miss services because they're so busy. They're too busy for this. Well, then does that mean they're too busy for God? So many times that they don't realize that's what they're saying, but they're not just telling the church. They're not telling the preacher. They're really telling God, I'm too busy for you. I don't have time to read a chapter a day. My life is too full of other stuff. Other what kind of stuff? Stuff that's more important than reading the Bible. Stuff that's more important than obeying the scripture that said don't neglect and forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We got a world full of people that are absolutely too busy for God. And the thing is, their life is going away fast. It's just like a vapor. Man, it's like sand running through the hourglass. Life is so short. I mean, next time you drive by some cemeteries, look out through there and realize. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Those people, they were alive. They were here. Some of them lived a full life. But they're all, I mean, generation after generation has come and has gone. You and I are here like a puff of smoke. Like a vapor. Life is, I don't care if you live over a hundred. It is so brief. It's so short. And so we need to be conscientious, like the scripture said, to be redeeming of the time. I mean, we are to be buying up every moment and every opportunity. Now, you don't want to live in fear that you're wasting your life, but you do want to see that you're not blowing hours and days and weeks on something that is going to mean nothing a hundred years from now. Hmm? Nobody's going to remember. It's not going to make any difference. This, yours and my life's going to be over very, very soon. Whether the trumpet sounds and we go to meet him or we just finish out our days. And when that is, when that happens, there's only one thing that's going to matter. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it won't make any difference how popular we were, how much money we made. None of that's going to make any difference. The only thing that's going to matter is did we do the will of God for our life? Did we find and follow and finish the plan of God for us, which involved helping people? Doing some, anything you do to help somebody lasts for eternity. Even a cup of cold water we've been reading about last Sunday. Even a drink of water to somebody because they are a child of God, because they belong to the Lord. He said, there is no way you'll lose that reward. So, okay to be occupied, but with what? Now, I want you to go with me to Psalm 127. We're going to talk about number four, things that drain the spirit, things that make one weak. And here's what they are. They're, again, a combination, I'll say. It covers more ground that way. Fleshiness and foolishness. Fleshiness and foolishness wears out, makes weak. I tell you what, while we're doing this, let me read you scripture in John 6. 
and I think you'll get more out of the psalm if we read it this way. In John 6, you don't necessarily have to turn there, but you might remember it. Jesus said, John 6, 63, he said, it is the spirit that quickens, quicken, energize, makes full of life. The flesh profits how much? Nothing. That's what Jesus said. The spirit quickens, makes full of life. The flesh profits nothing. Now, you have to explain that a little bit. How many understand spiritual things are done through the tool of the human body? The flesh. I mean, you're in the flesh as far as being in the body tonight. I'm in the flesh as far as being in the body. But we can have spiritual things happen through this flesh. But... Even though something is expressed, words, prayers, giving, good deeds, through the physical body, through the flesh, its origin is not flesh. The origin of that is the spirit. And so that which is from the origin of the spirit, the Holy Spirit in our spirit, is going to be profitable, is going to quicken, is going to give life. But that which is just out of the flesh, it's from the flesh, it's of the flesh, it profits how much? Didn't even say it just a little bit, it said it profits nothing. And who said that? Jesus himself said the flesh profits nothing. That doesn't mean your body is good for nothing. It means that which is done just of and from the flesh is good for nothing. You know, the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through him in 1 Corinthians talks about in the end times when everybody's works will be judged. Do you remember that? And how that they'll be tested by fire. And some works will be shown to be wood, hay, and stubble. The fire will go past it or over it and it'll just be totally consumed. Now, that's talking about people's works that they did in this life. And it's going to be interesting. There's going to be some works that were mountain high. But when the fire hits it, it was just wood, hay, and stubble. It was just flesh. And so it profited nothing. It might have made a big, you know, sound and a big show. But it was not of the Spirit. But then there are going to be other works. That when the fire tests them, it's going to be shown to be silver and gold and precious stones and jewels that it was done of and from the Spirit. Everything we ministers do, everything you as a Christian does. I mean, you know, uh, if we just came up here and tried to do something to make a big name for us, when the fire hits it, there'd be nothing left of it. If the Lord told us to do it and we did it directed by His Spirit and what we did was the fruit of His direction, then it'll abide forever. Silver, gold. Everything in your life, everything in my life. Now the reason I'm saying all this is not only is works that are just done of and from and in the flesh, not only are they good for nothing in the end, consumed by the fire in the end, they are, works that are just done of the flesh are wearisome. 
They make you tired. Did you hear me? Working in the flesh. Why? Because it's just you. It's all in your strength. And it'll wear you out. But things that are done in the spirit. Another way of saying that. Things that are done directed by the spirit. Things he told you to do and direct you to do. He's going to help you to do. There's going to be grace. There's going to be quickening. Oh sure your flesh might get weary from time to time. But you know that's one way I have confidence that what we're doing here is of the Lord. I can come in, I can be tired, and I can think about, you know, coming to talk to you and speak to you and be in a service, and maybe it won't be a few minutes, I'll get a quickening. And I realize I got some help on this. It's not just my idea, this is the Lord's idea. I got some help. I got some quickening. And you'll find when it's the Lord's idea, you don't have to beg for money all the time. Did you hear me? It's not such a terrible struggle. Oh, you're going to have to use your faith for sure. But there's grace. There's help. You're conscious and aware. I've got divine help doing this. I'm not just doing this by myself. But then you got some things that people just decide to do. Hmm? You understand? There's a lot of churches been started just because folk just decided to start one. There's a lot of people started their own ministry. Just because they decide they want to start one. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the Lord told them to do. Well, in that case, it's in your own strength. And sometimes people bless their heart. They go for years trying to get God to help them to do what he did not tell them to do. And it's frustrating to them. Because they can't get him to help them. And he's not obligated to help you do just anything you decide to do. He's not obligated to support financially and grace-wise and anointing-wise and partner-wise and anything else. Just any and everything that you decide you're going to do. That's why instead of just deciding to do something and trying to get God to help you, spend extra time seeing what he wants you to do. In Psalm 127, are you there? Psalm 127. A lot of you know it, but let's look at it again. Verse 1 says, Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes but in vain. Another way of saying, if the Lord's not in it, what? It's vain. What does vain mean? Huh? Useless is a good word. Useless is a, is a perfect word. We might say good for nothing. Unless the Lord's in it. Now here's the deal. Did they get anything built? Read the scripture. Did they build anything? Yeah, they did. Except the Lord built the house, they labor in vain that build it. They built something. But unless the Lord's in it, it's for nothing. Well, all that labor and all that sweat and all that lumber and all those nails and all that money, surely it's good for something. Not if the Lord's not in it. Can you pump a bunch of money and manpower and time and effort into something that's not even God? Oh my, it's happening all around. 
And we're not to judge anybody. We're just to work to see that we don't do it. Amen. That we don't do it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now, I want you to go with me over to the book of Luke. We're talking about things that make you tired. Things that wear you out. You're not supposed to be tired all the time. I'm not supposed to be tired all the time. You and I are supposed to show up at church on Friday night. Bright eyed. Huh? Ready to go. Somebody said, well, now bless God, you don't have to work hard as I do or you wouldn't be saying that. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Just means you don't believe this. You got to make up your mind now. Are you supposed to be tired all the time? Are you supposed to be renewed? Day by day. Huh? Can God quicken you? Even if you're kind of tired in your body. Can you come home, get ready for church? Come on in. Next thing you know, God zaps you a little bit. And you go, whoo, yeah. I'm going to be okay. I'm all right. Amen. Begin to, you know, might have felt a little draggy, but begin to speak the word. Begin to expect good things and begin to have some joy come up in you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout for the victory. And next thing you know, you got a little quickening thing going on here. Amen. Renewed. That's, that should be normal life for you and I. So that oftentimes we come after a thing more refreshed than we went into it. After having done it and been involved. And day to day, not just dreading everything because we're so worn out and all we wish we could do is hide at the house and plop in the easy chair. That's because people are spiritually anemic. Spiritually weak. No, when you're strong, you're ready to go do something. You have vision. You have expectation. Amen. You want to hear about let's do something for God. And if you have been terribly weak, don't despair. That's why we're talking about all these things. You're going to start coming up. I said you're going to start coming up. And your vision's going to start coming up. You're going to start looking forward to reading your chapter. Looking forward to pray. Looking forward to going to work. Somebody say, well, that'd be a miracle. God does miracles. He does. You can turn that TV off and go to bed two hours early. Lay there and praise God and pray in the Holy Ghost and have the Holy Ghost wake you up with joy in your soul before the alarm goes off. You can jump out of bed and go, well, hallelujah. Somebody said, oh, that ain't even real. You don't know. It's because you don't know it doesn't mean it's not real. I've experienced what I'm telling you about. Glory to God. There's a life of joy to be experienced. A life of peace. A life of strength in God. We do not serve a weak God. We serve a strong God. And he's generous with his strength. Didn't he say that there is no weariness? He never gets weary. He never gets tired. And he gives of his strength to the weak. Amen. He's faithful. Now in Luke the 10th chapter. You see such a perfect example of what we're talking about. 
Luke 10. Everybody say, no more tired. I'm not going to live tired. We have a God who refreshes and renews. That's what's happening with us. In Luke 10, you know the story, but let's remind ourselves. Verse 38, Luke 10, 38. It came to pass as they went that he, Jesus, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. That word cumbered means she was dragging some stuff, dragging around, encumbered. Well, you remember Hebrews, don't you? Just hold your place right there. In Hebrews the 12th chapter, Hebrews 12, verse 1, 12, 1, Hebrews, he says, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Lay aside aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Are there things that can cumber you, encumber you, and hinder you? And burden you. Boy, you look at these runners. These uh, the people that are serious about running. I mean, these shoes just keep getting lighter and lighter. And boy, their little tops and shorts and stuff don't weigh anything. I mean, I even, you know, I used to be involved in sport fighting. And I had a guy come in one time that I was working out with. And he had his head shaved. And he had a mustache. He had it shaved off. And I said, man, you lost all your hair. He said, I'm quicker now. He thought that mustache might have slowed him down just a little bit. I mean, he's leaving anything that's going to hinder him and slow him down. Well, in the Christian race, we need to be on the watch for things that we're dragging around that are dead weight, that are using up our precious energies for no good reason. You know, excess baggage that we're dragging around. That's just making us tired, making us weary. If we drop off and leave off this stuff, how many know there's some things to cut off? Some things to take off, some things to leave behind. And what effects that going to be on you? You're going to pick up speed, going to pick up momentum, and you're not going to be weary. These things have been tiring you out, wearing you down. Now back to Luke 10. That's the word it used talking about Martha, that she was cumbered about much serving. One translation says she was uh, involved in elaborate preparations. I mean, she was fixing up some stuff because Jesus was at the house. And man, she wanted to fix a big meal and she wanted to do things right. So she had four casseroles going and had some chicken and dumplings. And she had some rolls and she had, you know, like the people that spin in the plates on the post. And I mean, she had juggling and man, things were going on. That kitchen was a humming. (laughs) And was she happy? Was she enjoying her cooking the meal? She was not. Did she feel free in there in the kitchen? Well, how'd she feel? Encumbered. She felt burdened. 
Do you think the Lord wanted to her to feel like it was a burden for him and his big bunch to come to their house? Hmm? Certainly not. But she did. You know, so much of the stuff people go through emotionally and mentally, nobody asked them to do it. I said, nobody asked them to do it. They just put their self through all this stuff. It can be for all kind of reasons. Wrong thinking. It can be just out of pride. Wanting to put on some big something. Wanting to impress. That nobody asked you to. But anyway, the longer she went, the more aggravated she got. Because her sister, Mary, is sitting in there doing nothing. Was she? She what? The Bible didn't say she wasn't do. She was doing nothing. She's doing what you're doing right now, sitting and listening to the word. Is that doing nothing? It's finally, I mean, she went back and turned over the bacon and well, not bacon. They wouldn't have bacon in there. <laughs> turned over the steak. <laughs> I didn't have to tell you. You might not have caught it, but. The, and she checked and made sure the rolls were still rising. And, and she checked everything. And, and she's getting more upset by the minute. She walked back and looked in the window. And that Mary is. And she tried to get her attention. Psst, psst. Psst. Mary just sitting there going. <laughs> then she had to go back in. Check the roast. Check the lamb chops. And we know we probably had some of them. And, and finally she gets so agitated. Now, is she being strong spiritually? Is this building her up? No. No. What's happening to her? It's wearing her, isn't it? It's draining her to the point she's losing patience. It takes strength to be patient. You can tell if you're the more impatient you become, you're getting weaker spiritually. She gets to the point where she's tired of being quiet and not saying anything. She steps up to the doorway and speaks up. Now Jesus is in there teaching. So I guess she interrupts Jesus. <laughs> now do you see what happens when you get in your own little world of super busyness and you think what you're doing is more important than anybody else is doing? You wind up doing what you're judging other people. She was judging. Don't you understand? I got the preacher at the house here. I got Jesus himself. And I got to take care of him. Don't Mary know what's important? She ought to be in here helping me. And she judged Mary of being lazy. She judged Mary of not knowing what was important. And she was guilty of what she was judging. Can you see that? Interrupted Jesus, I guess. And said, now Jesus... Why don't you tell that lazy heifer there? (laughs) Well, that's the Mississippi translation. Why don't you tell my sister? Well, let me just read it like it says it. Don't you care, he said, she said. You don't even care. Well, now she's upset with Jesus, I guess. Can you see it? She's not talking to to her sister. She's talking to Jesus and she's aggravated with him because he's just let Mary sit there and listen to the word. Jesus, you don't even care. 
that I'm in here in this kitchen slaving away for you and your bunch? And you just let Mary sit in there? Tell her you left me to serve alone. Bid her that she get up and come help me. You tell her to get up and get in here and help me. And what Jesus say? Oh, you're right. Mary, get up, get in there and help your sister. Mm-mm. No. He said, Martha, Martha. Now when the Lord calls your name twice like that, you ought to go ahead and kneel down, start repenting before anything else comes up because you've missed it. You, Martha, Martha. You are careful, full of care, and troubled about what? Now get this, get this. Many things. Many things. Was Martha a busy woman? Did she have a lot going on? Oh man, she had a lot on her plate. She was a mover. She was a shaker. She had 12 special recipes going might have been a businesswoman too. She was a mover and a shaker. And she was a busy gal. Busy. Didn't have time for folk that wasn't. And she was missing God. Wasn't she? Now, you know, there's no coincidence that she was busy trying to serve Jesus. And yet was missing God. She's so busy trying to do something for Jesus, she had not taken the time to ask him what he wanted her to be doing. She assumed and presumed, we got to do this. And if she'd have come and asked him, Jesus, you want us to get busy and fix y'all a big meal? He might have said, no. Come in here and sit down with your sister. They had just seen thousands of people supernaturally fed. Hmm? It could have happened again if he wanted to. Or he might have wanted them to do just a snack tonight. Not spend all night cooking and cleaning. Now listen, friend. We want to develop in our life. You, You hear a lot of people say, well, I just can't rest unless my house is spotless. That's how you miss God. Well, I'm sorry, but my clothes have to be a certain way and I have to have a certain thing. Well, then you're not open to hear from God. You got something you're on a track and you're going to do it no matter what. Then that's how you miss God. And you keep your life full of stuff like that and you're going to be busy, busy, busy and you're going to be tired. Not just tired in flesh. You're going to be weak and tired in your spirit. And when things come up that you need to believe God for, you're not going to be ready. And when you need to stand, you're going to give up and give in. There's a lot of things in life. You have to watch about this, about accumulating projects and things that the Lord didn't even tell you to do. They can be good things. It was a good thing to want to serve Jesus well and cook him a big meal. That's a good thing. Looks like it's a needful thing. But you need to hear from the Lord. Do what he says do. Hmm? I mean, ministers have to watch this. You can get so busy 
preaching and ministering and ministering and ministering. Miss God, I mean, I'm, you know, you may have noticed this, but I'm purposely moving slowly concerning programs and outreaches with this church. I mean, there are needs. We could have a group for everything under the sun. We could have a meeting every night, too. Hmm? Someone said, why don't you? Well, have we heard from the Lord? Did he say, have all these programs? Did he say, have all these groups? Well, it's a great need. A needing is not a leading. Well, it's a great opportunity for us to do something. That's not a leading either. Have we heard from the Lord? Did he tell us to do that? You know, a brother of mine down in Central America, in large work and large ministry, and he and I were praying and talking about some of these things one night, and I told him this because I had my spirit about it. I said, you know, sometimes we need to back up and look at everything we're doing and say, now, take it one by one and say, all right, when did the Lord tell me to do this? And if he didn't, and I can't say, well, I know he told me to do this, should I be doing it? You see, look at it hard. And, and, and he took that very seriously, and he got back home and got to pray him, and I, he had a big church. And I mean, he heard from God, and he got up and went to the office and did some things the next few Sundays. He cut out about 80% of the programs and stuff they were doing. And some folk didn't like it. But, he said, man, immediately after that, the anointing began to get stronger in the services. He began to get more revelation. He was so busy. He was at the office fighting fires with all these groups and all this stuff. No time to get home and get quiet and wait on God and get direction like he was supposed to. And immediately he began to feel freer. He began to be stronger. Hmm? You don't want me to show up here on Friday and Sunday night, rush in and go, Man, all right, y'all are here. Okay, let's see, let's see. Friday night, right. Yeah, I've had 89 meetings today. Uh, what are we going to do now? Let's see. You would rather that I hadn't done a lot of unnecessary stuff. Huh? That I actually got quiet and prayed a while. Hmm? And did nothing except be quiet with him. And begin to try to see the bigger picture and hear not just what's a good message, what's the message for now. Well, that doesn't just apply to me, that applies to you. We don't want you running in here at the last minute going, okay, what are we doing? Well, I'm glad I ain't having to do anything. (laughs) Wrong. You are supposed to be doing something. You're supposed to bring some faith in here with me. You're supposed to believe with me. This is not just the Keith Moore show. This is our service. Amen. You and I are supposed to be believing God together. You're supposed to bring some faith in here. What if everybody came in full of faith, full of peace, strong in their spirit, Ready to focus on God. Give God some real quality focus and full attention. Would it make a difference? Oh man, man. Would it make a difference? Not just would. It will make a difference. Because that's what we're doing. And that's where we're going. And that's how we're growing. Stand on your feet if you would. Somebody say praise the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want us to release faith and believe the Lord to do this for us.
just what we got through saying, we're going to ask him to show us anything in our lives that's just wasting our strength, wasting our patience, that's a burden just encumbering us. He said, Martha, Martha, you're full of care. You're troubled about many things. Mary, on the other hand, has chosen that one good thing that won't be taken away from her. We need to find out what's the one thing that's important today. What's the one thing that he did tell us to do and not let anything else push that out. So close your eyes and say it out loud, Father God, you are my life. You are my God. Nothing, nothing is more important to me than knowing and doing what pleases you and what is good in your eyes. I ask you, enlighten me, teach me, reveal to me, show me anything and everything in my life that's not of you, that's just flesh, that profits nothing. Every sin, everything that's a weight, everything that's a hindrance, all busyness that's just flesh, help me to see it, all that's not of you, help me to see it, and by your grace, help me to eliminate it, to chop it off, to pull it out. To get it out. So all the many things that are troublesome will be removed, eliminated. And that one thing, that main thing that you want, I will know and I will do in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's thank Him for hearing this prayer. Thank you, Lord, for helping us with this. Thank you for helping us simplify our lives and be clear and free from all these hindrances and obey you, serve you fully without distraction in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. Not wore out all the time. Not tired all the time. I'm strong. Amen. Husbands and wives not too tired for the kids. Husbands not too tired for the wives. Wives not too tired for the husbands. Employees not too tired to work on the job. We're not tired all the time. We're renewed all the time. Refreshed all the time. Quickened all the time. Ready, instant, in season and out of season. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.